Today on the ZabeCast, Arizona has a no good, terrible, unbelievable face plant in the NCAA tournament. And is Skip Bayless to blame? Do sideline reporters work hard? Well, just ask them. Andy Pauley joins me. We talk about the arrival of Alex Smith, the downfall of John Skipper, and more. All that plus the samurai sword, crazy girlfriend, survival story of all time. You got 45 minutes to kill, then buckle up and let's go! Here we go! Friday, March 16, 2018, also known as Austin 316 Day. You will know that your ass is mine, and that's the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. Why? Because those Stone Cold said so. Thank you very much, you son of a bitch. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. And that's the bottom line. What? Because Stone Cold said so. A great compilation. This thing runs almost two minutes on YouTube, but easily my favorite wrestler of all time thank you for your download thank you for your ears we get started a little bit of stone cold to start off you know i am a light wrestling fan very light wrestling fan i didn't really wasn't that into it as a kid although i was aware of it and i'm sure i watched some hulk hogan wrestling matches back in the day i didn't get into it until right around 99 when i went to work in charlotte north carolina and i was paired up with a guy by the name of sandy penner who was a massive wrestling fan. And that around 99, actually it was not 99, it was 97, 97, 98. And that was, some would say, the golden age of the modern wrestling period when The Rock was coming into his prime, Stone Cold was in his prime, Triple H was in his prime, and the creative elements of wrestling, Galdi would probably argue if I had him on, were, were at their peak. And so... I was a Stone Cold fan. Who could not be a Stone Cold fan? The Texas twang, the staccato cadence, the look, the no-nonsense attitude, the finishing move, the Stone Cold stunner, and of course my favorite, the beers on the turnbuckle after he won a match, which eventually got replaced because Vince McMahon apparently wanted to go in a more family-friendly direction. Absolutely great. And of course, the great lines like Austin 316 and because Stone Cold said so. Happy Austin 316 Day. 316 2018. So last night in the tournament, Arizona just stepped in a mountain of shit. And they really put a capper on a weekend of pure shit for the Pac 12 conference. That the Pac 12 had three teams in, and they had one team in USC stiffed, and the three teams that got in all lost was just an absolute dagger. For the conference, and I've seen some posts saying that uh, Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12, should absolutely be fired for this. Okay, maybe he might be a complete tool bag. I don't know, but how is it his fault that the teams in the Pac-12 underperformed badly in the NCAA tournament? I don't know, but that's what some people are saying. I know this for Arizona. Oh man, you're going to be really pissed at Skip Bayless, who went out on a limb or maybe just went out and did what Skip does, and proudly planted his flag saying, I'm picking Arizona to win it all. Because DeAndre Ayton's the number one pick in the draft next year, and he plays great, and he works hard, and this team is dangerous. Whoops. The classic mush, as it's called in gambling. A mush. A a reverse jinx. Skip Bayless was not alone in thinking that Arizona could win it all. A lot of people had them going deep in the brackets, some even winning the whole thing. They were hot coming into the tournament. And yes, they do have the best player in the country, even though he was not really effective. Didn't get a lot of touches in their blowout loss to Buffalo. Oh yes, thank you people for reminding me. Guy on a Buffalo. Guy on a Buffalo. I love that so much. I watched the entire four-part piece of Guy on a Buffalo yesterday, just again. Buffalo. <laughs> Where are you getting Seen that from? <laughs> you got to go Google search Guy on a Buffalo if you don't know. It's, uh, it's a silly YouTube viral sensation. 20 million people have viewed it, so they can't be wrong. 20 million people can't be wrong, right? 
and it was a, a band that did some parody clips about a movie that was made in like 1978 called Buffalo Rider. And they just got all silly and goofy. There you go. For some reason, this humor cracks me up. So whenever we talk about Buffalo, like the Bills, or in this case, University of Buffalo. There's four parts to this whole thing in which they goof around about it. So go search guy on a Buffalo. Buffalo kills Arizona. Arizona's out of the tournament. Not only is Aiton going pro and number one, number one, but the rest of their starting five apparently is gone, either by graduation or they're going pro. All of their recruits fled in the wake of the FBI report that came out that even though now it looks like maybe Richie, or not Richie, uh, maybe uh, Miller will survive, all the recruits are gone. Shaq's kid decommitted, rerouted to UCLA and others. There are some saying that Arizona next year might be lucky to win four games in conference. Might be lucky. It's not good to be uh, an Arizona fan today. So, let's move to sideline reporters. This story cracks me up because, on the one hand, I know plenty of women in sports media, and I know women that are in television, and I know women who have done sideline reporting. And I respect them, and they're, they're good, and they are focused, and they're smart. But it's this thing in which the women who do sideline reporting feel like they've got to just overinflate how difficult or how important their job is. That drives me crazy. I got to thank my man Johnny Coleman'sberger for directing me to this story. I wouldn't have seen it otherwise, but he too, having been in television, rolls his eyes at these kind of stories. The headline from the New York Post is "The Insane, Crazy, Grueling Week of NCAA Tournament Sideline Reporters." Instantly, with the headline alone, <laughs> yeah, that's my reaction. They interview a handful of these uh, sideline reporters, Tracy Wolfson, Ali LaForce, Jamie Erdahl, and others. And here are some of the quotes. Dana Jacobson as well. I'm a big fan of Dana Jacobson still to this day. Uh, they write, as challenging as covering four games in one day can be, because remember, that first day at the sub-regionals, four games, two in the afternoon, and then a break, and then two more at night. As challenging as covering four games in one day can be, It's the day before that's recognized as a true grind. There are eight one-hour practices where the reporters are trying to familiarize themselves with the smaller schools. The first day is eight practices and some of the most grueling work we probably do all year, says Erdahl. It's that concept of being on all day and retaining enough information because every team there has a story and you want to pay homage to how they got there. They don't care if they're the seventh team you've seen that day. They want the same respect the first team got. That day of practice is absolutely crazy. Quote, unquote, Jamie Erdahl. <sighs> if any man were to say that, you would laugh in their face. Grueling, crazy, overwhelming. It's just basketball. Yes, it's eight one-hour practices. Yes, you're there all day. Said Ali LaForce, it's insane. There's nothing else like it that we do in sports. It's overwhelming. It's information overload. Again, just stop. Tracy Wolfson, it's exhausting. It's as simple as keep a protein bar handy at all times, drink water, and have a Starbucks ready to go. Wow. Yes, there's such heroes and heroines for getting through that day. She so goes on to say, the energy level is something you have to be cognizant of to keep up. If you've got a blowout late in the day and you're kind of tuning out, then you have another game right after that. Yes. It's sports, that's all. Don't oversell it. You're not going to win any fans overselling it. These reporters are on air for what? 60 seconds at a shot? And they get maybe three hits per game? Maybe? And this goes on for... Three days, basically. Day before, day of, off day, and then you got an, a reasonable uh, two games you're covering. I mean, how hard can it be? Ha- have these gals ever seen Dirty Jobs with with uh, Mike Rowe? Ever? 
God forbid that these gals would become tax preparers. You wouldn't believe it. Everyone waits until April 10th to give me their information. It's crazy. Yes, it is. God forbid they would become air traffic controllers. You wouldn't believe it. There's airplanes in the sky all the time. Like, all as soon as I get to work, it's like, okay, you got to start tracking these airplanes. Yeah, that's the job. God forbid these gals would become fry cooks at a rest stop, McDonald's. Oh my God, these tour buses come in and everyone gets off and they all get in line and we got to go really fast. Yeah, 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 that's, that's the deal. Here's the deal. Once a year, there's four basketball games played in one day and you have to prepare to have at least one or two nuggets about each team for 60 seconds over the course of a day. I know you gals can handle it. I know you can because I see you do it. And if you guys can't do it, Man, there's a lot of hungry young women that would love to take your place. Hell, as a man, I'd love to be a sideline reporter. Sounds like a great deal. Doesn't sound like doing three hours of live radio in the morning at 6 a.m., another hour with a station in Milwaukee after that, followed by three more hours of live radio in the afternoon from 4 to 7. I mean, I don't know, but I, I haven't been through the grueling and exhausting three days in March that these sideline reporters have to go through. That said, ladies, keep on keeping on. Just a tip. Next time a reporter wants to ask you about how hard it is, just stop for a second and realize you're not putting a hot tar mop on a roof somewhere in the middle of Mississippi in the dead of August. All right, it's Andy Poland time on a Friday. We've got a lot of topics to cover, including Welcome to Washington, Mr. Smith. Here we are in a car in the back of a parking lot outside Matchbox Grill. Yeah. <laughs> Andy says to me as I come in, he's like, "Ah, oh, you look good. You dressed up." It's because Alex Smith was in today. Oh, yeah. Well, you gotta you gotta look good to welcome the new quarterback to town. I didn't want to look like a total schlub, but you know what? Even still, it's humiliating how good looking and how trim and athletic Alex Smith is. Look, you've covered your share of locker rooms over the years. Yeah, and. You cannot help but look at the specimens that you're sticking microphones in front of and sure. say, these are of a different breed I know. than I. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you a guy going way back, that, you know, not that I have body envy, but you do kind of size up how people are built. Yeah. So in 1978, I probably told you this, I went to the, that's where I got the banner, I went to all the Oiler home games. Yep. And one of the home games in 1978 was against the San Francisco 49ers with a then over-the-hill O.J. Simpson. And I remember going into the 49ers locker room and sticking my microphone in front of O.J. and saying, Holy shit. That looks like the Michelangelo statue. That no human being should have that little body fat. Did you see his dick? Uh, I don't remember seeing it. <laughs> but, but I'm you sure you would have had needed counseling, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. To get over it, I saw OJ's penis. But but the the point being is when you are around highly conditioned professional athletes, I know you cannot do the comparison game. It's just a different different thing. Well, Alex Smith is good looking. He's incredibly in shape, and he's he's cool. Yeah, seems to get it. I watched he's, the news conference. Yeah, he's cool. Like. Regardless of what gets produced on the football field, we've upgraded in terms of Alex Smith is cooler yeah. and he's more handsome than Kirk. Will he be better than Kirk? Well, we're going to find out. This is now, a lot of people view this now as the end of finally the Kirk saga is over. Right. And to a certain extent it is. But really the story, Andy, is only starting right now because... Check in with us three years from now yeah. to see how each guy does. Well, w- would you take as good as Kirk? Oh yeah. Okay. So in fact, as here's what I did as a comparison. Yeah. I took Alex Smith's three best years, mm-hmm. and I compared them to Kirk's last oh, three I saw years that online. Yeah, so it was really and, good. And you know what? I mean, he's got a lot. Yeah. He's got a high bar statistically. Now, some will say, yeah, but Alex Smith was not in the same system. Jay's system is passing oriented. Mm-hmm. Trust me, he's going to have Alex Smith thrown for 4,000 yards, no problem. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, but it, everything is different. Schemes are different. Coaching staffs are different. Running games are different. Defenses are different. I'll believe it when I see it. You know what I liked? The Eddie Haskell factor, which has become 
increasingly annoying about Kirk on oh his boy. way out the door. The aw shucks, gee, explain to our younger listeners, okay. Eddie, who the fuck is Eddie Haskell? <laughs> Eddie Haskell later became an L.A. police officer. Ken Osmond was I'm in like, the TV show Leave It to, Leave Beaver. It to Beaver, and he, he was Beaver's buddy. No, no, he was Wally's buddy. Oh, yeah, right, Wally. Wally's buddy. Wally. Wally's the older brother of Beaver, and he would do things like he would walk in the house, and he would see Mrs. Cleaver preparing lunch. And, and he would suck up to her. No, no. And this when is he was when he was a troublemaker, wasn't he? Well, this is this is this defines who he is. He sees her making lunch, and she says to him, "Oh, Eddie, would you like to stay for lunch?" Wow, Mrs. Cleaver, that's great. What are you making? Egg salad. Oh, oh I love my favorite. I love egg salad. They go up to Wally's room, and he, she says, "Egg salad. Is that all your mother can do for us?" <laughs> I, egg salad. So, in other words, Eddie Haskell was disingenuous. Exactly, and well, so, so and, the, and you're feeling that with Kirk, aren't you? I, I'm feeling that with Kirk. And what I really liked at the end of the news conference, I forget who asked the question, but it was something to the effect of, "Are you going to get your receivers together in the off season and have you know the, the Donovan McNabb passing academy?" I remember that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he said, "You know, that's a great question, and the optics are great, and it looks all great." But really what I've found is if you're going to be working on your schemes and your passing game, it's best to have coaches there. I really like that. I found That's that, what Alex Smith said. Yes, I found that All to right, be well, refreshing. Well, Kirk didn't do that off-season Kirk Academy shit, no, did he? No, but there, there, was, there was just a, 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 just a little bit of, of too much shining up with Kirk. And I sense that Alex, at least from the, the 20 minutes of the news conference that right. I saw, I sense that Alex Smith has a better grasp on things okay. and, and how he's perceived. In defense of Kirk, mm-hmm. I'll say this. It does come off as disingenuous to a certain degree with him. However, if you're Kirk and if you know firsthand that these people are shitheads that you have been dealing with and you want to get as far away from them as possible, it doesn't benefit you as Kirk to come out and say, oh, these guys are shitheads. I'm so glad no, I'm gone. No, no, no. I, and, I, I, and so he has to play it, Andy, to a certain degree as a disingenuous Eddie Haskell thing. He's got to play it very tight to the vest, yeah. if that's what he believes. Yeah, I, I, I understand what you're saying there, but I thought he took it too far too the far. other way to compensate. Yeah. Rather have kept the steering wheel in the middle of the road a little more. Possibly so. We'll see. I think Kirk's going to be fantastic with the Vikings. Oh. I think if he only has to throw 24 times in a game and he gets three short fields because of their defense and has a running game, holy shit. He'll be like, this is the greatest way to play football ever. He's joining a team that went to the NFC Championship game I know. with Case Keenum, a quarterback that the head coach said he was ready to bench if he was not able to throw the ball down the field. Remember, he activated remember Sam Bradford That's right. to the New Orleans That's game right. just in case he needed him. So he had this, this quarterback he didn't really want, and now you have a team that made it to the NFC Championship game with an unwanted quarterback, and now you have a quarterback that, that obviously they want. Fans' memory... Fans' memories are so fucking short. It's just insane. You know, Keenum goes to Arizona for $16, 18000000 million, something like that. Or no, he goes to Denver, I'm sorry, Denver, yeah. for about that much money. And there are fans, Andy, that say, I would take Keenum at that rate. And I'm like, do you not remember Keenum was a fucking garbage, bottom-of-the-roster, throw-in quarterback who had f- flashed out with the Rams mm-hmm. and was third on the roster with the Vikings? He would have never played if the two injuries ahead of him had, had not occurred. And on top of that, they're like, well, they went to the NFC Championship game with Keenum. Yeah, because Stefan Diggs made a miracle catch. Right. If that catch doesn't happen, they're going, well, we got to get a better quarterback because Keenum couldn't get it done at home in a playoff game against a Saints defense, Andy, that Kirk Cousins turned inside out like a sweatshirt right. in New Orleans this year. Yeah, and, and, and Tom Friend, who who was sort of making points for a while in this thing he wrote for the Capitol, yes. put on the tinfoil hat towards the end of the column and basically made the case that they screwed RG3 to make this happen for Kirk. Also, oh, my God. Also, I, did, I didn't read the piece because oh, yeah, I didn't have the stomach yeah. for it. I guess I got to read it He's a Wooten graduate, and, and, and does good work, but this yeah. was this was Meshuggah. The, the, the point you make about the $16 million for Alex Smith, and I've, uh, $16 million for Keenum. Keenum, and I've heard you make this point on the air many times, and you're absolutely right. Okay, so you sign Keenum for 16 You don't pay the 28 for Kirk. How exactly? Show us your math. How you're going to spend that extra twelve to make your roster better? Who are the guys you're bringing in? Doesn't buy anybody. Yeah, 
It doesn't. It buys you an overpriced Ryan Grant, right. who just today, Andy, Fans had his physical. Oh God, <laughs> I feel so bad for the kid. He he was he had hit the lottery with this contract, <laughs> yeah. and now it's like, no, nah, you didn't pass. The I bet physical. he comes back because you know the McLuhan oh, comment. Right. Oh yeah, Ryan Gruden. Yeah, yeah, he loves him. But... Oh, I'm sorry, didn't work up at uh, the road. Eh, have dinner with the wife and me. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome home, Ryan. <laughs> the other thing, which I think we've talked about, maybe. Maybe not, but it, you know the comparisons of Alex Smith to Donovan McNabb are always going to be made because yeah. of the age similarities. Same coach traded him, and same coach traded him, Andy Reid. Yeah. But you and I know that there's a world of difference between Donovan McFlab, who not <laughs> only was out of shape from the moment he got here, yeah, uh, and then ballooned up to like 300 pounds mm-hmm. a couple years later. Uh, there's not only a difference there, but it's also a difference in just a bad guy versus somebody dedicated to being a professional. McNabb with his DUIs in Arizona and the sexual harassment shit at the NFL oh, yeah. Network proved himself out as a bad guy. Right. Also, do you, you remember this? I think it may have even been minicamp, but it's certainly training camp. We went out to Redskin Park, and as usual, they were serving us up backup punters and special teams linebackers, and, and <laughs> only and, the finest. And then one day, we saw like like a burst of sunlight. Here they're walking up Donovan McNabb to sit down with us. And we go, oh, okay, wow. But yeah. but at that point, the word was already out that it wasn't working. I know. That, 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 remember the, the whisper? Oh, yeah, he's he, not on the same page with the Shanahan. There was the play, play call issues, Yo, couldn't get yeah. the play calls out in the huddle. But that was before the season started. This was, this oh, was before, I know. Before that one season, and, and the word was already out, this is not working. All right, so let's get on record. Mm-hmm. Uh, next three years, yeah. Alex Smith with the Redskins, next three years, will make the playoffs how many years? I'll say two of the three. I'll say total wins in one season will not top 10. Okay. They will win a playoff game. Jeez. Boy, rose-colored glasses on you. Well, look. look. My number zero. Okay, maybe three, so. Three years. In the next three years, they will not make the playoffs. The division keeps getting stronger. That's although true. In, that's on paper. It can change. I just look at the rest of the team, Andy. The defense is not getting any better. They yeah. lost a lot of younger players that, I mean, Breland being lost yeah. really hurts. Uh, Fuller really hurts. Um, trying to think who else. I mean, let's hope Ryan Anderson plays because he was a zilch as a second-round pick yeah. last year. I just don't see it. And I think Norman's going to continue to decline. He gets hurt a lot because he plays yeah. very recklessly. Yeah, you may be right. Yeah. I just don't know. And then they've got to get a running back in a running game, and I'm not sure Jay yeah. likes to run. Well, the other the other thing that has been this, including Ryan Grant, who may come back, but this mass exodus of drafted players, which has been their M.O. for years, that they don't re-sign their own guys. And Well, we haven't had a lot of the, the entire 2014 draft class, almost, is now gone via free agency. Trent Murphy, right. uh, Spencer Long, Breland, and Grant. Although Grant could be coming back, yeah. that's a that's a, those are a lot of guys who are productive. And we finally had a good draft yeah. class. Although I'm not necessarily the mindset that you should automatically pay guys a second time. I'm starting to think this league should be about okay, you're due for a new deal. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll get somebody M- else. Maybe so, but but I I would look at Chris Cooley in this way that Cooley was invested in the organization. And no matter if it's a football team or it's a restaurant or it's a, a tax business, whatever you're running, you want employees who That's are true. invested in the program. And, you know, guys. But and, do you want sycophants and mouthpieces like D'Angelo Hall? Well, no. Become? D'Angelo Hall thinks he's going to be GM. So, <laughs> so, so, you know. The, the, like there's a fine line between invested in the franchise yeah. and a tool of the, of the organization. No, no player ever says to another. Take the hometown discount. They want that player to get as much money as they can so that they can ride right. the tide behind them and get as much right. as they can. I mean, that's the way it is. All right, so uh, 4,000-yard seasons for Alex Smith the next three years. Go. Uh, I'll say one, but I'll close. I'll say one as well. And close on the other two. Okay. Uh, will health, he, is, health is another thing. That's will he stay thing. healthy all three that's, years? That's a great question. because How many starts over three years? We, we've t- Okay. Uh, what do we have? 40, 48, 48 would be the number. 48. Okay. I'll go 42. Jeez. Okay. And will there ever be any... Will he ever be benched? Who? If he's benched... Will they draft another quarterback in the next three years in the first two rounds? No. No. Okay. No. no. So this is it. Kirk... How many times does he go to the playoffs of the Vikings next three years? Three. 
Uh, does he reach an NFC Championship game with yes. the Vikings? Does he go to a su- Super Bowl? I think he wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. If okay, if Kirk wins a Super Bowl with the Vikings, right. will there still be some diehards here, some never Kirkers who still cling to a tiny narrative of fuck him? Oh yeah, there will. Oh yeah. So even winning a Super Bowl won't. Put an end to, or won't trump everything of we fucked up. We let a guy go. I referenced Tom Friend, who's covered sports for thirty yes, years, but Andy who says RG three got screwed. But uh, Super Bowls are argument enders, aren't they? Well, look at look at Brad Johnson. He won one. He did. And and, and, uh, and I think if Kirk wins, it will be basically the same kind of circumstance where that, he's he's a caretaker in the cradle of a great team and a great defense good enough good okay. enough which you know i like i know will you will you root sort of subtly for kirk yeah i will oh yeah, yeah. i'll root for him yeah. it's weird because i've said this before i'll say it again i understand fans who are sick of kirk and fuck you goodbye see you later because if you're invested in your team yeah. you always want your team to win right. and that includes winning off the field, as Bruce Allen likes to say. Kirk beat the team. He beat the team at a game that was supposed to be unwinnable, the tag game. And so for that, I understand the resentment. But I, coming at it from a standpoint of talent, like you and I in the radio business, we're talent. I root for other talent, which Kirk is, to beat management. Oh, yeah. So he did something that was pretty amazing, and I'm like, fuck, unbelievable. Well played. and And I agree with that. Well played. But it takes two to play the game. And so as I, I, I well, the Redskins I, fucked their hand yeah, up. As, as I said, they you, misplayed their cards. In a, in a tweet, they, they 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 were Rex Grossman. They 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 thought, okay, we're going to take this chance that he's not going to be good, and we're going to wing it in there. And Kirk came up with a pick six, and we're surprised. Yeah, you know, exactly. I mean, they they played their hands so poorly. All right, let's move on. John Skipper story oh. gets more and more crazy. Ooh. Came out on Thursday that he, the reason he stepped down, shockingly, just two days after addressing all of ESPN yep. employees, that we got a bright future ahead. I've got a new contract. Whoops, I got to go. Right. I've got a substance abuse problem. It turns out, at least he says, that it was because his cocaine dealer threatened to blackmail him and he put the company in a compromising position. Man, I mean, you think. Think of, think of the, how sharp you have to be to rise to the level that Skipper did. Uh-huh. And while this how was... How dumb co- you have to be yeah. to not have a good Coke dealer. Yeah. That, who that, knows? That. The, the, is there not any honest Coke dealers in America? <laughs> yeah, right. I'm making enough money so I can have my own personal Coke dealer. Right. Yeah. How about How about someone in your inner circle, like... Yeah. Buy some coke for me yeah. and bring it here. Yeah, but I mean, you, you get it's like it's like Tiger when he gets caught with these with these women. It was like Tiger. Like, yeah. how do you not have <laughs> layers of layers of fall guys? Yeah. Does I guess Chris Carter's you know his yeah. his, his fall guy speech yeah. is not heated even yeah. by executives. Yeah. Why, why didn't he have like Berman rolling around with him? You know, to to to, to take care of that kind of stuff. I don't do know. You, do you think it's okay for the head of a company like ESPN to be doing cocaine no. recreationally? <laughs> no, no, I don't think anybody. <laughs> doing cocaine. I don't care if the guy okay. filled up my car. He shouldn't do it. <laughs> okay, but you I bet you don't feel that way about marijuana. Marijuana is, is becoming legal in I know. most states. I know. And, and do I want somebody you know, driving in a car with smoking it? No. Okay. But I do believe that yes, you can you can use marijuana recreationally and be okay. And I mean, you don't you don't think you can use cocaine recreationally? Not as far as hard... I know. But but you feel like your personal feeling is that's some hardcore shit, and once you get on the white horse, it's good night now. It's real trouble. Like, cocaine is like, whoa. What happened the year that you graduated from high school? Uh, Len Bias died yes, of a cocaine overdose. Yes, he died of a cocaine overdose. And then the Browns player died of a cocaine yeah. overdose. Yeah. Who's, and I, who's I, the Browns player that died? Brown, uh, Don Rogers. Don Rogers. Don Rogers, yes. Of course, Andy remembers that. And I, I had some heavily... Uh, using marijuana weekends. I'm still here at 60. No, it's pretty hard to kill yourself with weed. Yeah. And it is becoming more legal. I just wonder, do you think there'll ever be less stigma on cocaine? No, because it it appears to be addicting and life controlling. Now there are, there is a case to be made. Skipper said it wasn't life controlling. No, of course. Did did you read the story? I didn't read the whole story. Okay. Here's, here's a quote from the story. Skipper said, you know, when in answer, James Miller, 
who's done yeah, all the ESPN he knows everything history stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like the historian of ESPN. Yeah. He asked him about, well, you know, did it compromise your job? And Skipper said, it never affected my work, except for maybe a missed flight or a few canceled appointments. <laughs> he said that, Andy. Yeah. He said that with a straight face. And I'm reading it going, ah, yeah, yeah. see, that's actually affecting yeah, your work. Right, 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 right. Because you know if he missed a flight, he probably then called back to Bristol and lied, yeah. saying, oh, my cab didn't show up or right, something. Right. And so now you're compromising other people in your lies because you can't handle yeah. your addiction. Yeah, now, uh, you can't tell a book by its cover. But could you make the case by saying of a picture of him or looking at him. Coke you had to be coked up to buy glasses that look like that on you. <laughs> like, 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 like when you put them on in, in, in the eyeglass store, did you actually think that oh, looks shit. good on you? Yeah. Or, or might you have chosen something that wasn't along the Harry Potter line? I don't know. It just, just to me, it just, it just didn't make sense. I don't, I think this is another sliver of truth, not the whole truth. Of course. Because of course, cocaine people are, are notorious liars. You lie to cover another lie. <laughs> of course. Yes. Right. Because basically what he's saying is I've used coke for years yeah. recreationally and I got reckless this one time right. and can... bought it from somebody who then was going to extort me. And he didn't say bought, bought it from a dealer. He just said I bought it from somebody who was going to extort me and threaten my family. That sounds like a hooker. Yeah, or, or some other bimbo, or, 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 or such high level amounts of use. You know, if if he was buying like a you know a little a few grams, but it sounds like he was buying a large amount from that. Do you buy coke in grams or is it in kilos I don't or ounces? Know. Again, I don't know. I've never tried it. I've never I've never bought it. I, I but but I know people. That, it's same as alcohol. People say, oh, I don't have an alcohol problem. Well, you do. And and uh, you you would think if this was all it was mm-hmm. that he was a recreational user who had a problem admitted he had a problem said to his bosses I'm going to get extorted by this person yeah. that he could go to rehab for six months and mm-hmm. come back you would yeah. think you would that, think right that, right yeah okay well anyway Godspeed to John Skipper yeah and whatever he does next Sean McDonough yeah. ousted from the Monday Night Football booth as they remake that booth. I don't know how you feel about McDonough. I always liked him as a play-by-play man. He was, as I put it, a dark cup of coffee. He was like coffee black. He was not everybody's taste, but it got the job done. It was solid. Well, if if you have an analyst like like Gruden, who is high profile and the star of the show... You want a guy that's not going to compete. I mean, Pat Summerall knew that his ticket to success was to make Madden the star. And I thought McDonough did that, though I have heard that there was friction in the booth. Yeah. And I have heard from a very reliable source that Sean is not easy to get along with. Really? So, okay. But, yeah. again, I think he's a solid pro as well, and I've been involved in various radio interviews with him, and he's been nothing but good to deal with. So I, I think of it, I try to crawl into his shoes and think about it. How devastating do you think it's been for him that he basically failed at this he did, he did one of the highest perches yeah. in play-by-play. I, well, to me, I'd be crushed. I'd he, be like, he fuck, failed, failed. He failed, but to, to ESPN's credit, they, they repurposed him in... in uh, Let's go back to college. Yeah, and, and you know you know who didn't take that deal? Joey Theismann. What deal? Oh, to do college. Yeah. When he got bounced from Monday Night Football. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it... Believe me, I know what it's like now to put your tail between your I legs you. and get yeah. back in the back in the game. And he he's doing that, and I right. I give him credit for that. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Joe Tessitore gets the gig. Oh my God, that is that that to me is is like it's like you went to the Safeway and you pulled the checker out of line six. Oh Joe, my God. Joe, Joe Tessitore isn't bad, but to me, he's just a run of the mill. Play-by-play guy. Tessator comes off as a bit of a puke voice guy. Little, yeah, exactly. Joe Tessator, exactly. I'm going to punch up my voice exactly. here. If you shook the play-by-play tree, four Tessators would fall out, <laughs> and you could just put one. I mean, to me, that's that's an uninspired choice. Usually, I don't feel it either. And then they went after Peyton Manning at $10 million a year, sight unseen, and didn't even get him. Well, how about how about the package deal that was supposed to be with Tarico and that it could still happen? They were going to borrow Tarico <laughs> on Fox. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. God. But, but usually in the Monday Night Football thing, it's, it's got to be, you know, when Tarico got that job, he was he was a big rising star at ESPN, yeah. and that made sense for that move. Tessator is a guy. He's like the guy who's been working in the back bay at the uh, at the auto shop, 
you know, changing uh, shock absorbers. And they now and put now, him up front. And now, now he's running. They're making the, the GM. He's running the business. I guess so. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. I know this. If they get better fucking games, I'll watch more yeah, Monday Night yeah, Football. It really comes down to that. Right. That's all it is. All right. They've gotten the short end of the stick on scheduling ever since they overpaid for the rights. Yeah. And that apparently now is a source of friction yeah. between ESPN but, and the but, NFL. But I, I, will, I will give Gruden credit because he made himself into a big star, partly with those quarterback conferences that he had. and He had he had gravitas as, as a... Uh, as a color, he was guy. a character. Yeah, a sufficient so, character. So if you, he didn't have gravitas because he kissed everyone's ass. He never criticized. Okay, but but he, he became a TV personality, uh, even yeah, if he was a, better, a cliche. Yeah, that's a better of way himself to put it. at the end. Okay, so if you take run of the mill ex jock and sit him down next to Tessator, what's the difference between that, like and, a Matt Hasselbeck? Yeah, and who the, was their fallback? Yeah, and the D game that you're going to get on the Red Zone Channel, you're of, right. you know, Cincinnati and Cleveland or something like that. I'll it, tell you what, Andy, it is so far. From the days of Howard Cosell, Dandy Don Meredith, and Frank Gifford. I can't even see what that is. Well, it's so far away. I'm but, like, man, is the franchise But, but, but if, if, you tried, if you tried that team out now, it wouldn't have the impact that it had. Because there's too many games on, but, but it on was too all, many outlets. It was also revolutionary. There, there, there'd never been... First of all, the, the Cosell... Football at night on television. Well, that was one thing. Right. But there'd never been anything like Cosell before. Right. And they tried to recreate it, and they've done it. they did it twice. Dennis Miller and Tony Hitzkus. Hitzkus, I don't think I don't think he was at football. I think he did baseball. baseball, Yeah, but 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 Tony first, then Dennis Miller. Miller first, then Tony. Tony actually lost out to Miller the first time. Oh, okay. And and and, you know I I'm Tony's my friend and he and I thought he he did, but uh, but he was in a situation where it wasn't going to work. It just it it just the 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 sport itself has evolved in a way that that doesn't happen anymore yeah and uh and also you know the other thing if you watch older tv shows it's a slower pace there was more time for cosell to do his thing they didn't have as much with graphics and really? replay. they didn't have a sideline reporter huh. so so there was more you know tony said you know he to make his point he had very little time to do it well got to get in get out 15 yeah. seconds yeah where's i was talking to al davis on the phone today <laughs> and al you know you get and he could do that for, for and it didn't matter what he said he was just you know and then he and dandy don would exchange you know yeah. little barbs and it was funny yeah before we get to andy's red hot tournament picks because we are in the midst of the first round of the tournament Tiger Woods, Andy. Holy oh. shit. Are you back? Look. Are you back, Andy, I, as a Tiger-only uh, golf fan? When he sunk that 44-foot putt. On Sunday. On Sunday. At the Valspar. Did, did it not cross your mind in your life? In your <laughs> life, as Berlin just I, I can't. I know, it's, I know it's the Valspar. But right, the free paint open, I called it. Okay, but it's Sunday afternoon, and and did you see the ball hang a little bit on the lip of the cup, kind of like yeah, that? Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> and, and this is now shaping up with the Masters coming. Yeah. Phil Mickelson won earlier this yeah. year, and with all the young guns on tour, this could be a bonanza in Augusta in a couple Th- of This weeks. is like, hey, all you guys who left! Come Tiger's on back! back. Hey. He's back! So that's me. So I'm, I'm running back to get you know get my place in line there, you know, and all you golf guys say, where you been? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? As a golf guy, Andy, welcome back. Yeah. I don't judge. But I'm only here for the Tiger show. I don't give a shit. I'm not staying if he's if he's out again. I don't give if, a if shit. He, if he gets arrested, if, if, if something happens, <laughs> if, if his back goes out. And by the way, you know, the, he's the first guy to return to play p- professional golf with this back surgery. Am I right about that? I don't know. That's I, what I thought I heard. I, I didn't read that. Yeah. Um, no, you're right. I've said I've reserved 10% on the shelf space of bullshit. Yeah. To say that this thing is being done with PEDs, growth hormones, oh, yeah. goofballs, or something else from Dr. Galea. Oh, you know who bought into that fully, don't you? Who? My high voice partner on the weekends. I love it. Yeah. Dr. Galea. <laughs> well, look, here's the bottom line. Most stories that are too good to be true. Yes, are too good to be true. Are not true. And the last guy who overcame amazing medical setbacks to win and win and win and win, Lance Armstrong. That was the big story. Now, Tiger was actually asked this week, how is your club head speed so fast? Because yeah. it's not just how well he's playing, Andy. He's leading the tour in club head speed. And he says he can't have the torque that he had before because of his surgery. He said, when, when asked, how are you generating this club head speed? He joked, 
if I knew, if I knew, bro, I would let you know. Like even I don't know. And I was like, okay yeah. then, interesting. He then went into this jargon about yeah. different shafts and a different kick point and blah blah blah. Could I could I reference one possible other thing that might might be a comp? Ben Hogan. Ben Hogan is the comp for comebacks, and I mistakenly said on this podcast that Ben Hogan only won once after his bus crash accident, which was not true. He won six times afterwards. So and that's, competed as late as 1960 in the, I know. In the Open. Right? I know. Um, uh, Masters. Masters. No, this comeback by Tiger, if he wins a major or any tournament, is going to rival Hogan's in different ways than Hogan. Yeah. But as far as his back goes, I did talk to my buddy Mike, who has had back issues, and he mm-hmm. said, look, Tiger probably got the best surgeon in the country, this guy in Texas, probably paid a million dollars for the surgery. And I'm like, why would he charge more just for a celebrity guy? But he said he probably got the best surgeon in the country, did a lot of research on it. And then, because he's Tiger, and this is all he has to do, is he didn't lift anything over a pound for a year. And he worked his ass off on rehab. Now, Tiger is incredibly fit. He's got incredible core muscles, abs and whatnot, which um, help support your back. And according to the surgery that, or according to the report on the surgery I read, sometimes a fused back, if you get a good outcome, is almost as good as it was originally, oh, really? because it just takes two vertebrae and you know welds huh. them together, and you're almost as good. He may not be as flexible, right. but if he's pain free, then he can do what he does. So I don't know. I'm just only keeping ten percent on reserve because. It could just be that he got a great outcome, and this is the result of a guy who's maniacally driven yeah. to keep playing at a high level. Well, the only thing I know about back surgeries, well, two things. One, I haven't had one, thank God. Knock on wood. And, and two, when you have back surgeries, you have more back surgeries, including our mutual friend Kevin Sheehan, who I believe has had his back operated on three times. So, yeah. So these are... Tiger some, headed four. So, yeah, these are very temporary fixes, you know. So Well, that's the thing. What if along the way here... That back flies apart on right. a drive like a uh, like a jalopy oh. losing a wheel, oh, God. and he crumples oh. in agony oh. on the 16th oh. tee oh. on Sunday at the Masters, Andy. But and they have to wheel him off the course. No, Can no, you no, imagine? They won't wheel him off the course because his last great act in a major was winning the U.S. Open on a broken leg. Yeah, but backs are different. Well, you can live along on a broken maybe. leg. If he buckles on the 16th tee with a bad back at Augusta, he's done. Maybe he slithers on the ground and, and whacks the ball from the side. And it's, and it's oh, my God, it's Tiger. Look what he's doing. It's not like a marathoner crawling across the finish line with a big lead. He'll take 12s on holes if yeah, he has to yeah, bunt it up. Yeah, there. yeah. And, and it'll be, you know, and then so. Oh, no, no, this would be good. So he's got an amazing 10-shot lead like he did as a rookie at Augusta. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. 10-shot lead. He comes to 17. We'll call it 17. Hits a drive, back buckles, ball flies off into the woods. Everyone's like, oh my God. Tiger gets up. He starts limping down the fairway. He finds his ball in the trees. He knocks it out. Yeah. He bunts it up. He chips it on. Yeah. He takes a nine. Oh, his lead's down to four now. Can he somehow make a triple on 18 to win the Masters? Now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. Okay, that, I'd like to see that as a movie. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's close on this. How's your tournament bracket going? Your tournament bracket challenge with the Poland family. It's a tradition unlike any other. You, Arlene, Samantha, and Jeremy. However, in recent last two years, it's been expanded to six because significant live-in others are participating. Bradley Cantor, University of Maryland graduate. He doesn't have a team in the tournament. He doesn't live in with you, does he? No, he lives lives in with Samantha. He lives in an apartment in Bethesda. And my son Jeremy lives in New York with his girlfriend Nicole, oh. who, who of of the six of us, is the only one with a team in it. She's a Duke grad. Oh, so, wait a minute! Yeah. Breaking news: Jeremy is a is dating a Duke a Dukey Duke grad. Oh my God! Yeah, Jeremy together. hated Duke growing well, up. Well, he, he when he went to Indiana, he transferred his allegiance much oh, more that's right, to Indiana. He's a Hoosier. So, okay. so he lost he lost his love. But he said to well, that's Arlene, true, "That's true love that he's dating a oh, Dukey." Yeah. When, wow. when, he, when he said when he said to Arlene, she's not Jewish, and she said to Arlene, "There's one thing you're really not going to like about her." And he goes, "She goes what? She's a Duke grad." Oh. oh, oh. Mom, I got to break it to you. There's one thing you might not be cool. She's a Duke grad. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, that's okay. And she's Asian. What? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, she is Asian, but but <laughs> I'm she, just kidding. But, but the Duke thing he thought might be an issue. Uh, but, so okay. she's the only one. But uh, Jeremy 
picked Loyola, Loyola of Chicago, which hadn't won since 1985 when Al Frederick Hughes played there. Wow! Remember Al Frederick the Great? No, that, I that don't. Yeah, he was a uh, he was a big time scorer in college. I don't think he ever did much. How in come NBA. I see him listed as Loyola of Illinois? Well, maybe that's officially, but they're but in, they're in Chicago. In Chicago. Yes. Yeah, this, so this is the first. Uh, so he picked them against Miami, and I, that's, that's that's a six eleven yeah, against and, our boy Laranega. And it was a buzzer beater. You'd see the end. Of it? I saw it was yeah. a hell of a buzzer, buzzer beater. beater. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, I'm glad the pool is going on. Andy Poland's DC podcast new season has begun. Yes, your latest episode is with the great Kevin Grevy. Correct, and uh, he was very good to talk to. Uh, talked about his Kentucky days and talked about his. Uh, his days with the Bullets, obviously, when they won the championship. For those that don't know, Kevin Grevy, former Washington Bullet, played in the 70s, 6'7", yep. white guy, six shooter. 6'5", okay. Yeah, yeah. But, a, but a, a, a quick side forward. Well, he started as a forward, but the championship year, Phil Chenier, speaking of backs, back injury, which would shorten his career, uh, he went out for the season. Right. So Kevin shifted from small forward to shooting guard, and he said at that time, a 6'5 shooting guard, man, it was unheard of, right? Yeah, well, not unheard of, but it, but it was like it was like from, cheating. Yeah, he says like college. I was able to shoot over everybody, yeah. and, it, and it was so. Then uh, and then coming up this week, I will record on Monday. Pat Collins of Channel Four. No way. Yeah. Tell him to bring that dipwad yardstick that he sticks in the snow every year. See, he's won like ten television news report and all people know about in this town is the damn yardstick exactly. when it snows. that's the snow so funny yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. all right very good andy uh look forward to getting that get it at all your local podcast outlets uh, you can always find it on libsyn that's where i get it real quick very good l-i-b-s-y-n all right very good andy good to talk good to you good. let's go eat some wings and watch some tournament games you, oh boy that sounds good you're buying okay. i'm just kidding i'll <laughs> <laughs>Something tells me this will not end well. Alex Lovell is a hardcore gamer. And he played too many video games according to his two-year girlfriend. uh, A woman by the name of, let me find it here, I've got it highlighted, uh, Ms. Javier. Emily Javier. So Alex Lovell was a hardcore video gamer and his girlfriend of two years was finally sick of it and not only sick of his video game playing, believed that he was cheating on her. So, one day, Ms. Javier decided to go buy a samurai sword. Which, I kind of wonder, like, why are those legal, exactly? I guess it's still under Second Amendment, right? The, the right to bear arms, do samurai swords, are they considered arms? Uh, whatever, you, you can buy them. There's no restrictions on them that I know. She decided that in complete surprise attack fashion, she was going to attack him while he slept. Well, sure enough, with the dim light of her phone guiding her in the middle of the night, she started whacking away at her boyfriend with a samurai sword. That's when Lovell, the video game player, woke up and his survival instincts kicked in, says the story. Mainly martial arts training and all the kung fu films he had watched suddenly were useful in his defense. Said Mr. Lovell, quote, I was able to wing Chun my way to survival. Referencing a Chinese martial art, wing Chun. Not Wang Chung, everybody get down tonight. No, wait, that's, what is that? Uh, Everybody get down tonight. That's uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Uh, Everybody Wang Chung tonight would be Wang Chung. No, this is Wing, Wing Chung, like Buffalo Wing Chung. He said he eventually wrapped up his girlfriend in a bear hug. I saw the look in her eyes, and it scared the living poop out of me. I told her I loved her, and she was killing me. She needed to call the police, or I was going to die. I guess he was unable at that point to call police himself, so he begged his girlfriend to do it. Well, it worked. Ms. Javier broke off the attack and made the call, frantically telling a 911 operator that she had stabbed her boyfriend and she thought he was dead. 
When police arrived at the scene, they found Lovell curled up in a blood-spattered bedroom. He ended up surviving despite almost losing the index, middle, and ring fingers on his hand. But in an interview this week, the competitive gamer sounded happy to be alive. Quote, I was just so proud for beating this samurai sword wannabe crazy lady with hate in her heart, said the 29-year-old Oregonian. I've been preparing my whole life for something like this. Boom! That's the quote of the year. I've been preparing my whole life for something like this. Certainly, I don't think he was hoping for it. His girlfriend pleaded not guilty to first-degree attempted murder, which I guess you have to do to start with to try to work on a plea deal. I guess she could claim insanity. Who knows what her defense will be. He goes on to say, uh, this guy, Alex Lovell, he's known as Biggie in local gamer parlance. That's his gamer tag nickname. Avid player of multiplayer online fighting games. He had recently been logging 12 to 13 hours a day playing these games. The regimen that he played also required exercises for his hands, his wrists, and his shoulders, and practicing mouse moves and techniques to maximize performance. Said Lovell, quote, and this is great, I wasn't a sweaty nerd. I was more of an e-fleet. Get it? Not an athlete, but an e-fleet. Here's the final coup de gras quote. Well, first of all, doctors were able to reattach Lovell's fingers where they were nearly hacked off at the base. He suffered wounds to his feet, legs, torso, neck, and head. His right arm is in a cast. Members of the local gaming scene set up a GoFundMe page for his medical bills. They're just $2,000 shy of their $10,000 goal after 10 days. Hell, I might contribute to it after this story. Here's the money quote. This is the one. Said Lovell, quote, The feeling I had when I won that fight with my bare hands is just absolutely the best feeling. I've played all the sports. I've won big games. I've landed some decent tricks on my snowboard. This was better. Awesome. (laughs) If there is another story that comes across our desk this year, 2018, well, shit, I would love to see it because that one is in the clubhouse with a score that's going to be hard to beat. Thank you for listening, everybody. You know the drill. Tell two friends and your friendly Coke dealer. Leave a positive review. Download and subscribe at all the major podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you know, all the places. And as Costanza once said, it's not a lie if you believe it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time.